Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our podcast offers friendly conversations with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by Learn Behavioral and the Learn Provider Network. Now here's your host, Richie Plush. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of All Autism Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Learn Behavioral Network, a leading provider in ABA services across the country. I'm really excited about this week's conversation uh, because it's a little, it's something a little bit different. You know, sometimes we get uh, a guest that doesn't seem like on the surface it's directly related to children with autism, but once we dive into it, we find out that it really is. And this week we're we're talking with Dave Bisbee about how lighting impacts our circadian rhythm, our sleep-wake cycles. And I think it's really important for all of us uh, as adults, for all of us as clinicians, as parents, as, as human beings, but also he's going to give us a little bit of information about how that impacts children with autism or how it can help uh, some children with autism. We've talked previously about how sleep cycles, uh, sleep-wake cycles can really have an impact on our behavior on any given day, and Dave really helps us break that down. Um, so recently, the Sacramento Municipal Utility District partnered with UC Davis Mind Institute and the Fly Brave Foundation uh, and others to study the effects of programmable lighting systems in the homes of children with autism. And after about 29 weeks of study, they found significant positive improvements based on the programmable lighting techniques, and they're releasing some of their findings. And here to share a little bit with us this week is Dave Bisbee. Hope you enjoy the episode. Dave, thank you so much for being on our episode this week. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate that. I, you know, I've spent a lot of time uh, learning and researching about circadian rhythms, but um, can you tell us a little bit about circadian rhythms and circadian lighting and kind of how the two connect? Sure. So uh, starting about 10, 15 years ago, scientists began making some discoveries about the relationship between light and what's called a circadian rhythm. So basically, circadian rhythm refers to our sleep-wake cycle, and it controls a lot of different things in our bodies, such as hormone production, digestion, and of course, those affect sleep habits. So what the scientists discovered is that the intensity and the wavelengths of the light that we spend our time under has a big impact upon us. So is that like, you know, during the day, the lighting is a little bit brighter versus at night where it has a little bit more of an orangish, orangish tinge? Is that, is that kind of the thought behind it? That's the idea. We were, you know, created to be outside. So the idea is we, would, we want to try to mimic um, what's going on outside. See, our bodies will respond to changes in both intensity and the different colors of light, if you will. Mm. So in the morning, when you think about it, when the sun comes up, it's just a, it's a nice, pleasant, gradual waking, but it eventually turns into kind of a bluer light. And then, of course, during the day, it's nice and bright outside. And then in the evening, of course, the sun goes down and the colors tend to be warmer and a lot less intensity. So what this does is it actually entrains, is the technical term, it gears our body to what's going on outside. You know, all living things on Earth have a biological clock within us called the circadian clock. So if we can use light to try to make sure that we're on track, life is just a lot better. Hence the reason most of us sleep during the night and are awake during the day for the most part. And different animals have different circadian rhythms as well. Absolutely. 
So recently, uh, you part you partnered. Uh, sorry, Sacramento Municipal Utility District partnered with UC Davis Mind Institute and the Fly Brave Foundation, and and a few others. It sounds like to uh, to do a complete a study about this. What 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 made you pursue this particular topic? So I'm glad to ask. Uh, it is a bit unusual for an electric utility, which is SMUD, <laughs> the one I work for, to be involved in kind of this. So you know, first of all. We are a customer-owned, nonprofit electric utility. So okay. that enables us to do a lot of community-type work. We started, believe it or not, about five years ago by working with Alzheimer's patients in a care facility to see if changes in light could help them sleep better and get through their routine. And quite frankly, the results were fantastic. They had a lot less falls at night. They had patients that were sleeping better, and just, just marvelous results. So the next year, we actually decided, well, okay, it worked with these patients and, and it really helped these people. Could it work in other types of environments? So our next step was to work with seniors in an independent living facility called Escaton, and just to see if we could get the same types of results. And once again, the results were fantastic. People reported sleeping better and just having more energy and just, you know, just better, just better overall quality of life. So during this time, we were putting out different webinars and materials, and we got a call from a school district saying, hey, can this type of lighting help students on the spectrum? And we said, well, we're, we're not medical experts, we're, we're lighting experts, but... What the heck, we'll give it a try. So <laughs> we actually did three classrooms, and we had two classrooms for students on the spectrum and then one general education. And we also offered to work with the parents of the students on the spectrum in their homes to try to make some improvements there. And once again, the results were over the top, just really good results. So we were kind of thinking, okay, what is going on here? Um, you know, there's actually two different things that contribute to these. One is, of course, the physical effects of different wavelengths of light. But all these other projects had something in common. We were using the lighting to let people know really what time of day it was and helping reinforce their routines. So with that in mind, we decided, you know, we wonder, should we try one last project and so we decided to get some help, and we partnered with FlyBrave and the UC Dave Mind Institute to put together a project to try to reach as many families as we could. So that's kind of the, the genesis, if you will, of the project and how it came about. For each of those people, you know, I would imagine, you know, we've, we've talked bef before on this podcast how, um, you know, sleep can help you know, certainly help with our behaviors during the day or for those of us that have children or, or family members with autism, you know, just us sleeping better is going to be more beneficial from a family perspective, but also from the individual. Was that, a, was that a big cue or was that a big indicator of what was happening for people from those previous studies? They were getting better quality sleep and so their bodies were more rested and more recovered and those types of things? That was definitely part of it. Um, sleep, good proper sleep is critically important, as many of us know, and if you doubt it, right. stay up a few nights and, and see what happens, right? <laughs> but um, more importantly, perhaps, 
we discovered that using the lights to reinforce routines may have a special benefit for kids on the spectrum. Um, you know, different members of our steering committee let us know that one of the biggest challenges that many parents face is getting their child to transition from one activity to another. For example, stop playing video games and start homework or get ready for bed and, and that sort of thing. So with that in mind, we put together this project to work cooperatively with the families to see if we could use the lights to help develop good routines and discourage some of the challenging behaviors that they were seeing. Right. That's great. So then that was your most recent study. So so tell us what tell us a little bit about what's going on with with that now. Absolutely. So we ended up working with 36 families. Wow. And we were targeting families who had children on the spectrum between the ages of 5 and 10 years old. And really what we wanted to do is we had three primary goals if you will. One of them, as I mentioned, was can we use the lights to provide cues for kids so that they know what's coming up next and just try to make it easier to get through the day. The other thing, of course, with all the research on blue-white light, we, wanted, we, uh, we knew that we wanted to try to avoid those spectrums at night because they tend to shut down your melatonin production, which is, of course, the, the chemical largely responsible for helping us go to sleep. And the last thing that we discovered in all these projects is there's a critical need to provide what we call nighttime navigation lights. So this is basically, if you do get up, how can we provide lighting that helps you navigate to the restroom or wherever you're going, and then get back to bed both safely and with minimal disruption to help you uh, fall asleep faster? So those were the main goals that we were um, trying to reach. And it was, I can tell you, it was just overwhelming uh, in many ways that we really didn't expect how successful this project was going to be. I want to hear about some of the successes, but first I have a question or maybe just a comment. Um, I want to go back to the thought about the nighttime navigation light. I, I, until you're describing it, I didn't even think about how important that was. But I can imagine, you know, if I get up to get a glass of water and I turn on the brightest light in the kitchen or whatever it may be, all of a sudden I'm I'm awake. Um, and I didn't even put the two together that the lighting could be impacting my sleeping, where I may need some water, but I don't need to have the lights up all the way, or maybe it's the certain type of light that's waking me up or whatever that may be. I can see that that's a really important piece to all of this is that nighttime navigation light. Absolutely. In fact, you know, just to give you an idea of some of the techniques that we used is when a child would step out of bed, a motion detector would turn on a, a, a LED light, turn very warm and very low underneath their bed, and it would also turn on the lights in the bathroom very low. So this would give them a pathway, a, a safe way to visit the bathroom and then return to bed and go back to sleep. Um, one of the things that we discovered is that uni almost universally, all these kids were scared of the dark. Now, many of them were nonverbal, so they couldn't tell you they were scared of the dark, but you could tell by their actions and how they responded to the light that this was, in fact, the case. For example, right. some of the kids used to have a, a significant problem with bedwetting. 
and all the way up to the okay. ages of you know seven, eight, nine, and even ten. And what it seems to have been the the root of the matter or the cause is they're laying in bed. It's dark. It's scary. So rather than get up and face that, they would stay in bed and unfortunately wet their beds, which of course is a major disruption to the entire family that night. So by right. providing that safety, that lighting to help guide them, uh, bedwetting was significantly reduced. I, I'm I'm envisioning myself as you know part of the steering committee and having part of these conversations as you guys started to peel back the layers of all of this research. Um, before we before we get into the successes and kind of what you discovered, what was what were those steering committee meetings like? Can you just expand on that? I, I have this vision in my head of a bunch of people sitting around a, a large table sharing all this information and vigorously taking notes to try to peel back all the layers of this. But can you give us tell us the realistic picture of what it was? Absolutely. So we had people from different walks of life. We had a, a lady who was a marine biologi- biologist. Excuse me who is on the spectrum. We had the founder of Flybrave, which is a nonprofit that helps uh, youth after their 18 find jobs in the marketplace. We had, of course, the UC Davis Mind Institute. We had a high school teacher. And then we had a parent who had a child with autism. And what we wanted to do is when we were developing this study is we really wanted to make sure that we were focusing on the behaviors, if you will, uh, on how to help people. And the the committee was fantastic. Now, just so you know, this wasn't a stuffy affair with a bunch of meeting minutes and so on. (laughs) It it was more like eating cheap pizza, you know, in a room, everybody come as you are, and just uh, having conversations. But the main purpose is, you know, my my colleague and I, Connie Samla, we're lighting experts. And these folks were all experts in the field of, of you know, autism and related studies. So we really relied upon them to try to get a glimpse of what these families face in terms of the challenges. And that also helped us, of course, develop strategies to try to help them. That's great. I love the idea of gathering around with a bunch of other intelligent people and sharing cheap pizza. That sounds like what we should all do for lunch someday. Um, we treated them a so, little better than that, but it was, it was very casual. Great. Great. So for for these 36 families, uh, what, what were some what were some of the what were some of the the things you discovered? What was what are some of the stuff you learned in the in this process? So if I can um, just start a little bit with the process, um, that was great in of itself a major lesson. So one of the things that we did is we we started with a webinar or excuse me a a seminar. Everything's webinar now, right? We started with yep, a workshop. Yep. To where everybody came in, it was uh, invited through the local media channels, looking for participants, and so we were able to gather everybody who was interested in one room and explain what we were doing, uh, the criteria for participating, and that was fantastic because that really helped set the stage. The participants knew what what they were going, what was involved in the project, and it just really helped everything go smoother. So the next step was each of the families uh, completed a baseline questionnaire. And it wasn't, okay. it wasn't exhaustive. We were just trying to find out about what are the challenges that you're facing. For example, how hard is it to get your child to go to sleep? 
How long after you put your child to bed do they go take to fall asleep? What are transitions like for you? Um, how hard is it to get your child up in the morning? Um, just trying to really get at, you know, what are, what are the challenges that lighting may be able to help? So after that, my colleagues and I went and did a home survey for all of the participants and work with the parents to develop strategies custom tailored for their child and for their family, really. It's not just the children, but for their entire family. So okay. following that, we ordered each participant received uh, $1,500 worth of lighting equipment, and we okay. helped them in terms of install it and commission it and just make sure that they were on track. And, and that was critically important because the equipment we use tend to be a little techy, and so okay. we felt that the parents needed some support in terms of how to under you know how to program it, what you're trying to do, and just coaching, if you will. And then throughout the study, we had the parents do 29 weekly on, online surveys, asking the same questions over and over again, trying to track you know changes in behavior, either improvements or lack thereof, just trying to see overall what was the lighting doing for them. Great. Can you can you describe for us some of the some of the lighting? I mean you mentioned, you know, the lighting that was under the bed that was a very low and warm light with the motion sensor. What was some of the what are some other examples of lighting that you put in homes? Sure. So obviously this isn't a, a commercial for, for Philips, but we, right. we used a system called Hue. The Hue is Basically, think of it as programmable lighting. So okay. the light bulbs come in all different shapes and sizes. You've got the, the normal light bulb. You've got the floodlights that you would put in recessed cans. They had uh, LED strip lights that could be programmed. But all of this was controlled through phone apps. So the idea was you could totally program the lights throughout your house to do different features. For example, we set them all to change Kelvin or color temperature throughout the day. It was start, you know, early in the morning, we'd give them kind of a jolt with blue-white light to help them get up and running. And throughout the day, that would fade all the way to just a very warm, very dim. And then at a time that they chose, it would go into nightlight mode. Now, nightlight mode, what would happen is as the motion sensors picked up motion, it would just kick on barely enough light for whomever was in that room to, to navigate safety, safely. excuse me. So the idea is just think of network lighting. Everything is programmable, and then you can use that to implement some pretty amazing routines. Another example was we use colored light bulbs to help provide what we call cueing. So one case, okay. this is one of my favorite stories, uh, two 10-year-old boys like to play video games, what ten year old boy doesn't, right? Yeah, right. And yeah. one of the one of the children one of the children was on a spectrum, the other one wasn't. But every night they would both put up a big argument with mom and dad about, okay, it's time to quit the video games and go to bed. So the parents came up with a queuing system. There was a, a hallway right next to where they were playing the video games. So when everything was just normal during the day it would be like a normal light bulb. As the evening wore on and to where, okay, it's okay to play your video games, the hallway lights would turn green, kind of like a traffic signal. 
So they okay. can see the hallway lights and go, okay, we can keep playing, no problem. Yellow, when it changed to yellow, they meant, uh-oh, it's time to quit, wrap it up, and get ready for bed. And then red, they were busted. So the, the parent <laughs> kept telling them, red okay. means bed. <laughs> yeah, so oh, the parent like drilled into their head, red means bed. And pretty soon, what the kids would do is they would see the lights turn yellow and go, uh-oh, and they would wrap it up, and they'd go run to get into their pajamas and get their teeth brushed, so on and so forth. So just that one change took a lot of the drama and the anxiety out of their evening routine, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm envisioning my conversation with my my kids who are um, younger. They're six and four, and I'm envisioning, you know, it's the, all right, everyone, it's five more minutes till bedtime, and then it was, you know, it's as if the world ended, and yep. uh, whatever it is that they're doing, it's I'm ask, I'm trying to take away their favorite thing in the whole world, even though <laughs> it may not be. Um, and then it becomes a battle. It is at the and moment, it's a right? Battle for right, yeah. At that particular moment, that's you know earth shattering, and and you know for them, then it's a battle, and then the battle turns into uh, will you read me another story? And you know we have a pretty mm-hmm. set uh, bedtime routine, which helps. But there are times, you know, it's, can you snuggle me? Can I read another book? I need a glass of water. Uh, I need one yep. more night-night kiss. I didn't get the second story. You know, and, and then it's now, you know, it's 45 minutes past bedtime, and then everyone's kind of tired and grumpy, and it doesn't play out well. So, yep. I mean, for 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 the cue to happen just from the environment, right, and to let that know, let the environment be your guide as to, all right, it's time to wrap up, you know, finish that level, save it, whatever it is you need to do. And because it wasn't an abrupt change, they could see it coming. And from what we heard from the steering committee as well as the parents, the key with a lot of these children is to give them warning of of a change that's about to happen. Right. So that seemed to be a big part of the success is by looking at the light, color of the light, whether it's warm, whether it's blue, bluish white, really help the kids understand the expectations and what's coming next. We had some children that when the lights would change from normal day mode to kind of a warmer color, they go, oh, time to get ready for bed. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of the parents were yeah. in tears of joy in terms of, you know, during the final interviews with them about the difference that this made. And how, you know, I don't know if it's easy to answer this question, but how long was it before you could start seeing results in families? I mean, you said it was about 29 weeks. Um, you know, were they seeing results pretty early in the process or kind of in the middle? Or what, what it, did it vary for every family? It, Generally speaking, it took probably two months for it really to kind of sink in. Okay. But it wasn't it was more like a graduate. We actually had you can see these on the charts on our reports. You'll see trending going on. That they'll bounce up okay. and down a little bit, but then they kinda of settle down in quote the new normal. We had children that used to take sixty minutes to fall asleep after being put to bed, down yep. to ten minutes. And wow. just ten to fifteen minutes every night. Um Yeah. And but it it did take a while, so if anybody wants to try this, you have to give it time. Kids need time to develop those new routines. You've got to be patient with them. You've got to be consistent with them. Like that mom that I was telling you about, red means bed. And she meant right. it. That was going to be followed yeah. up with some disciplinary actions if, if the child didn't respond. Right. And I know for for the clinicians that are listening, they love to look at 
graphs and data and analyze that. So um, I, I think I think there's some access to that at the full report, which we can put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I love Absolutely. what you're saying, Dave. I, you know, the real thing is being able to create a consistent a consistent routine takes a lot of the battle out. And if there's consistency and clear expectations and, you know, positive praise for doing the right thing and, you know, that's going to help all of our, all of us get better sleep because our children are getting better sleep. Absolutely. And, and you know, quite frankly, it's better during the day too in terms of attitudes. I don't know about you, but if I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm a grump. And so that just kind of sets the whole day off in a, in a bad direction. And And that was another thing that parents told us is that the kids were having an easier time during the day, things that used to really set them off, uh, not, as much, not as bad. One of the moms told us, now this is, understand that this is a, more than just the lighting, but this is a good example of how you can use this type of thing. So her six-year-old daughter had massive meltdowns, I mean biting, clawing type meltdowns. And so what she did is she developed a routine to where she would bring her daughter into a room that had blackout curtains, so it would be totally controlled in terms of the light. And her daughter would sit in a chair, hug a teddy bear with the lights turned on, very soothing, a very soothing you know, color, and turned down pretty low. And she would have the daughter breathe. So what this mother told us is that these tantrums, as she called it, went from being an hour down to about 10 minutes and that she hadn't been bit, bitten by her daughter in six months. So just, just stories like that, it was, it was yeah. quite honestly overwhelming. We, we never really right. anticipated that it would have this much of an effect on, on people. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing the, the path from, you know, supporting, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia patients and assisted living facilities. And it's, it's almost like, all right, well, that worked really well. Let's see what happened next. Okay, that worked really well. Let's see what happens next. But I can't imagine you went into this thinking it was going to have this big of an impact, did you? We really didn't. I mean, you know, our the project that we had with the school district, we had two parents out of 14 agree to let us come in their homes and help them. Both okay. of those parents experienced dramatic results. But one of the participants basically said, you have no credibility. You need to get somebody like the Mind Institute or somebody on your side so that people will listen to you because this is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So we had hoped, but one of the things that the uh, steering committee told us, you guys, you SMUD people are focusing too much on sleep. There are a, a lot of other ways that these lights can benefit these families. So that right. was kind of the, the big surprise for us is to find out you know, other ways that it helped the families. I'll give you another example. Um, you mentioned your, your child, your routine with your child. So one of the things that parents would do is they would put colored light bulbs in the, in the children's bedrooms. And we called it color as a reward, if you will, was the, the strategy. So if they okay. had a good day with their child, the child would get to choose the colors to turn the whole room into pink or green or rainbow or you know, different things as part of their bedtime routine. And then it would, you know, fade down, and then that was it. That was it became part of their routine. And if they had a bad day, they would basically say, "I'm sorry, Billy or Johnny or Susie, 
um, we didn't have a real good day today. Hopefully we'll have a better day tomorrow. Hmm. And so just using, and the kids made some pretty amazing comments about it. One of them was on vacation, said she couldn't wait to get home to her pink lights. Yeah. You know, just things like that um, really went a long way. Uh, another quick one is we yeah. had one high-energy little girl, six-year-old, who almost every night, she uh, she lived with her grandmother and aunt and uncle. She would go out, she'd get scared in the middle of the night, she would make it about halfway to grandma's room and then start screaming at the top of her lungs for grandma. Okay, mm-hmm. and this was just a routine that was just obviously wearing down on the family. Yeah. So what we, guess where we put the, the nightlights? Grandma's room. <laughs> so, right. so the right. new routine is she would make, you know, the lights would come on in her room just enough to make her feel safe. And we would guide her with the lighting all the way to grandma's room. And then she would climb in bed with grandma and nobody would know anything until the morning when she's right. you know, trying to wake up to go to school. So just things like that were really powerful. Yeah. I mean, something like that is it, you know, when you describe it, it sounds so simplistic, right? You know, put a nightlight here so that people can get to where they need to be or get the, you know, get the help that they need or whatever it may be in the middle of the night versus everything is dark um, and now you can't navigate the halls and you don't feel safe and you feel insecure. You know, it sounds like mm-hmm. just a little bit of lighting can really ease some of that anxiety and and it, alleviate it, the stress does. of like man, I, got, I, need, I need grandma right now or I need to go to the bathroom or I need a drink of water or there was a noise outside and it woke me up and I'm scared, Wh- whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, that can help uh, tremendously. A little environmental arrangements can help tremendously. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that uh, kind of a surprising finding was, you know, some parents were using the plug-in nightlights that you buy at the store and just plug into an outlet. Those can create scary shadows. You know, just something I oh. never would have thought of until one child basically said, I'm scared of the monster in the hallway. It's like, what are you talking about? And went, look over, and it's like, oh, that nightlight oh. is hitting a plant and making a monster on the wall. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Didn't, you know, through the eyes and of the And if child, the window's right? open, if yeah, if the window's open, there's a breeze, and now the monster's moving on the hallway. Or, exactly. the, you know, the plant is moving, which is making it move. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think about that. Me so and just things like that yeah. are really just amazing to learn. So um, where can people, you know, find these resources? You know, well, first of all, um, I know you guys are working on a few different things, but where can they find more about the study and more about the information that you're sharing with us? So right now we've created a website with highlighting all of our different projects and, and that have the reports and we try to write our reports that they're very friendly to read, lots of pictures and charts and, you know, hopefully not boring. But the website is smud.org forward slash circadian lighting, all one word. Great. And on that website, you'll find, you'll find videos, you'll find reports. We prepared a, a mini book called Circadian Lighting for Your Home. You know, just so people can kind of thumb through and look at. Now, that one is not specific to children on a spectrum, but it's it's good for everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah. But re- what yeah. we really would like to do next is to get this word out to the families as well as the clinicians and all the the agencies that provide support for these families and try to train the trainer, if you will. 
That's yeah. our vision. In terms of the Great. products themselves, they're all commercially available. Uh, we are working with the manufacturer, at least we were before COVID, to try to put together what we were calling a home kit. And okay. the idea was you'd have a bundle, if you will, of different products, maybe a video or a QR code to take you to a website to show you how to do this. How do you set up your, your navigation lighting? You know, what are some of the things that we discover that really work? It's so interesting. You know, I, I think about how many of us as adults are sitting on our phones, you know, and I, I tend to, my circadian rhythm tends to hit between 9.30 and 10 every night. That's when I tend to be the most tired. And if I stay up past 10, then I'm up until 1 in the morning just awake, you know, and some of that I'll be watching TV or I'll be playing on my phone or doing work or research or whatever it may be. And what a great way for us to pay attention to that for ourselves so that we're making sure as adults and parents and clinicians that we're taken care of as well. You know, I think about in all of this, um, sometimes it gets, you know, we, we get so focused on helping our sons and daughters that we forget to take care of ourselves, and then our bodies start to get worn down. And to your point from earlier, if we're not getting enough sleep, I'll wake up as the grizzly bear. Um, and then and then my kids are like, well, why is Dad upset? And it's like, well, it's nothing you guys did. It's just I didn't get enough sleep. And so just kind of a reminder for all of us to be thinking about how we can not only use this for the the individuals that we support, but also for ourselves to make sure that we're continuing to be able to support families in need and, and those types of things. Absolutely. One of my favorite stories, if you will, was we're working with a family, uh, both parents work, and their child was about nine years old. And they, this child had just a really difficult time going to bed. So basically what her life looked like is she would have to lay down with her child. The child was nine years old would have to lay down with her child for bedtime. And he was just so anxious that he would not go to sleep unless she was with him. Well, he would outlast her. So the next thing she knows, she would wake up. It's 1030 at night. And, you know, she has other children, and she has to get ready for work the next day. And, oh, by the way, it sure would be nice to spend some time with my husband. So... It had a tremendous impact upon that entire family in ways that we might not think about, right? So when we approached her and, and she wanted, she was desperate to try anything really. And so she said, well, I'll give this a try, but I, frankly, I, I don't think this is going to work. I, I think you guys don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> so she's pretty blunt. But after she tried it, and got into the routine, her son went from that scenario to falling asleep in 15 minutes after bedtime. And basically, oh. as she put it, saved her marriage. Because yeah. now all that stress as a caregiver um, has been so relieved in that category to where she can focus on her other children and her husband and, and getting ready for work and all the, the other things that life demands. Wow. I mean... It's tre it's tremendous the 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 results that you guys have had amongst your research across all the different categories and you know just on behalf of those who can benefit from it thank you for even considering looking into this and I I I imagine that this isn't the end for you there's there are new you've probably uh, formulated a, a dozen new ideas since since this current research study and so we look forward to seeing what you and Smud come out with in in the future. Well, we're, we're really excited, and you know, quite frankly, our plan is to try to get the manufacturer 
to pick up the ball and run with it. You know, because yeah. obviously we don't we don't make lights, but they do. And they were right. um, amazed at a whole new market area, if you will, that they had never even thought about. Because that particular product tends to be advertised as a party product, if you will. Hey, you can turn your lights mm-hmm. the colors of the turn Super Bowl the and so on and so forth. Right. But using these to help families, you talk about a win-win. So right. that's really – and then our second thing that we really want to do is to try to reach the the communities. Uh, the support communities and the families with the message. And the nice thing about these systems is they're expandable. You can start small and build over time. Right. Um, now, we said $1,500 per home. The, the reason it was so expensive is we didn't know where to start. So we kind of right. did everything we could. But we, we really found out it is, you know, quite simply, it's where does your child spend the most time? Where are those friction points for changes in routine? Those are the areas that you want to focus on in terms of you know implementing these type of things. So it may be the their bedroom, the bathroom down the hall, and the living room or the playroom or where they do like their that. homework. I mean, or, maybe it that was another that, thing. Yeah. Parents would change the color of the lights for homework to something right. uh, mode called concentrate. Okay, we're going to do homework now. And the children would know that when mom switched the lights back to normal, that, okay, we're done. Right. Just really interesting to see how profoundly life impacts us in, in many ways that we probably hadn't thought about. I mean, I've been doing emerging technologies right. for 20 years, and i got to tell you, this was the coolest project we've ever done. And one of the most fascinating in terms of just learning all these different ways that lighting affects us. Well, and I, you know, I feel the same way about, you know, the world of autism. I think we're we're forever doing more and more research and learning more and more. And the more we know, the better equipped we can we can we can be to help families and help them help their their children or their family members. And you know, we just appreciate people doing research that we're expecting and and research that we're not. And this certainly was. When this came across my desk, I was surprised and excited to hear that there's research being done on this, um, certainly to this extent. I think this is, speaks volumes about where we're going as a society about being inclusive and, and supporting families, but also helping just to do everything we can from lighting to research to putting bulbs in homes, and, and really, it really makes a big impact. So, Dave, thank you so much for being on this week. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. We always appreciate having you here with us. Uh, As always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, at Autism Therapies. And if you have a show suggestion or comments or feedback, please send us an email at allautismtalk at learnbehavioral.com. Feel free to subscribe and rate us at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, be well, stay safe. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. This podcast is brought to you by Learn Behavioral, the leading network of providers serving children with autism and other special needs. Visit us at learnbehavioral.com. Listen to previous episodes at allautismtalk.com on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.